0: hello welcome back to why did peter sink the lowest budget podcast on the internet no sound effects a cheap headset me talking a wall of text what more could you want uh this is part four why i am catholic and this is called the problem with faith alone taking a shot there obviously we're going to talk about the idea idea of sola fide or faith alone So before getting too far in this post, I want to start out with an admission. I am under no presumption of my salvation. I'm hoping for it. Um, I do not subscribe to the once saved, always saved life insurance plan. Um, To me, that is like saying I am a marathon runner because I ran one a couple years ago, but I probably couldn't even finish one if I went out and tried to do it today. Um, there's work that must accompany the claim of being a marathon runner, if I intend to use that label in the present tense. Now, God may be outside of space and time, the Creator, created out of nothing, but I'm certainly not. Uh, thus, the assurance of salvation that Protestants say, or are, are kind of cling to, is not for me, because it doesn't fit in with real life. It's like saying, I'm asleep when I'm awake, or I'm eating when I'm just chewing gum. The proclamation doesn't match the reality, especially especially if I'm living a life of sin and not efforting toward holiness. Notice I just said the word effort. Um, wait, so am I saying that works are required for salvation? Yes, because that's what Jesus said. It was keep his commandments, heal the sick, feed the poor. Those are things you have to do. Be baptized and believe, be baptized, kind of have to do that. Um, there's things you must do. Um, St. James in his epistle said, be doers of the word, not just hearers and so on. Um, It's even what Paul said. It's what the apostles said. And it's what the church said for 1,500 years, going through centuries of martyrdoms and suffering and arguing and hammering out doctrine before the idea sprung out of uh, Martin Luther. And I, again, I'm not here to bash Martin Luther. I actually think there's some good points about him. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But um, I do disagree with this idea and the solas, basically, that he came up with. Um, and that is the issue, of course, or one of them, is how are we saved? How can we know? And that's what really drove Luther to protest. It wasn't church corruption because that has always existed. That was one of some of the points of of, uh, his, of his disagreements, but that was not the cause of the great split, the idea that corruption was the cause is a myth because corruption in the church has been around since a man named Judas betrayed Jesus, one of the first 12. Corruption has been around forever. So we have to put the, this whole um, paying to get to heaven financial corruption idea on a shelf. Um, a disgusting behavior by some priests in the 1500s was not the main cause of the protest, not even close Martin Luther wanted to know he was saved so that he could live his life in peace. And he was obsessed with sin and grace with salvation. He wanted assurance, but he fell into the trap called scrupulosity. And I linked there to a scrupulosity, an article on what it is. It means you're, um, it could, it's a problem that can lead to despair because you're always worried you've lost your salvation. And Catholics can certainly get into this situation. And it's something that priests talk to people about and to not do this. Um, so, When this problem leads to despair, like it did for Luther, you can try to pole vault your way to salvation and solve the problem. But he ended up on the other side of despair, which is called presumption, to know you're saved. And I get it. I get it. The moral life is hard. Uh, The Catholicism is demanding. That's no doubt about it. It's a difficult thing to deal with sin, but working toward holiness means not obsessing over sin, but picking up the cross every day and carrying it and going back to confession, the Eucharist. It's a pattern, a ritual. That's why we do it. So we stop sinning. The thing is, we're not complete with this life until the last breath. And along the way, we have to avoid presumption and despair, which are the twin pillars of error, represented perfectly, perfectly in the two brothers in the story of the prodigal son, which I wrote about in a, some, a two, two-part series earlier. Because, you know, I can't just write one article. It has to be a multi-part series with um, 10,000 words or more. I don't know why. Um, so, with faith, hope, and charity, I aim to work toward being remaining in a state of grace as best I can through the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist. So, yes, we cannot lose our salvation unless we choose to sin. So, we have to continue to keep trying not to sin and working toward um, not sinning, living this pattern of life that we don't do it. We, we know we're going to again, but you keep trying. That's the thing. This working toward grace becomes like the great undo button or the untrade where I send Herschel Walker back to the Dallas Cowboys in a sense. And the good news is that with daily conversion, I can undo that trade every morning, every moment. Rather than be a cause for despair, it's a pattern for living that works. Faith and works body and soul, they go together like peas and carrots. I returned to God and found a manner to live that removed the fear of death, making it not a cause for worry, but a future occasion that brings hope. So much of our underlying fears are of death. The fear of hell is real, since Jesus spoke of it about 13 times, but death and the void affects us all in different ways, and that is why we wear fig leaves. We wear fig leaves of wealth wealth, pleasure power and honor or status why are we wearing them in the first place well it's because we fear death and the unknown we want our status we want our money we want to cling to something here in this world because we're not quite sure about what happens after we die happy christians seem really strange even irritating because death is no longer fearful to them and they don't make sense because they have indeed pole vaulted the main problem of life which is death You have to sometimes have to wonder, do they want to die? And the answer is, well, in this, in a way, yes, they do, because it means going home to God. Our hearts want God. Um, The thing, the way we can know, can sometimes know that something exists is, um, you know, we have hunger that we know food exists. We are tired. We know sleep exists. We want God. We know God exists. There's ways to know that don't fully make sense. Those are the mysteries. Um, But the gift of this life here, the world that we live in in space and time, even with its struggles and pain, is the way of the cross. And you cannot get to heaven unless you go through the cross. That's the message. That's the message Jesus brought. This life is our second chance after the fall in the garden to choose the tree of life this time. I often wonder why video game fanatics are not on-fire Christians, because figuring out the game of life comes through Jesus, the person of Jesus. He has the codes and the weapons that we need in both this life and in the spiritual life. You know, forget about Fortnite or Call of Duty. This life, both materially and spiritually, has enough slings and arrows to dodge and fight against. Having Jesus alongside to slay all dragons makes everything suddenly much more exciting. I recently met someone who was living at a homeless shelter, terminal cancer, she lives in pain, terrible situation, battled addiction her whole life. No one would envy this situation. And then she told me how good that God had been to her. She was overjoyed that she might get her own apartment for the year with her own bathroom. Now, when you meet people with faith like that, and then you go interact with someone who has a beautiful house, a beautiful family, every toy you could imagine. But they're miserable, drunk, faithless. You know, it's all a big facade. You know which person has been given the real gift. It's not money. It's not stuff. It's not status. None of that matters if you have faith, which is why Jesus said that the prostitutes and tax collectors will recognize the kingdom of heaven before the wealthy and the Pharisees do. The winners in this world are the ones that lose in the end if they don't recognize this. And that... That is by choice. Free will is granted to us for this very reason. What we trade and what we put in our hearts where faith should be are all the crappy Herschel Walker trades of this world. We're trying to put something into the big empty that doesn't fit there. The only thing that fits into the big empty is God. That's the God-shaped hole in your heart. That's what wants to be there. You won't fill it with anything else. The church and its teaching provides the greatest framework for living that I have found after searching through worldviews and trying them on like I was thumbing through racks of clothing at Goodwill. Nothing comes close. The pattern of life provided in the church makes sense, but only if you live it. Striving for holiness may seem foolish, but only if you never try it. And I mean really try it, not just mail in a half effort. The word orthodox scares people because it sounds radical. But what it means is right path. Orthodox means right path or right thinking. It even refers to feet in its root word. These oppressive rules that people see in the church are not intended to make you suffer. They are they are to help you walk this world toward God to move away from sin and toward his grace. Now, I have much to say about other worldviews that I tried on. Um stoicism like Marcus Aurelius. Um, seemed like a close second to Christianity, but without Jesus, it becomes a miserable facade to pretend to enjoy um, life, just deal with it. It's like rolling the rock up the hill, like the myth of Sisyphus. Epicureanism had the same problem. Um, I like their pursuit of virtue. Um, atheism in the end, I re- modern atheism especially, I realized that takes more faith than Christianity. Um, that's just a dead end with a dead hole. Um, yeah. Uh, but that is where I ended up before coming back. And so I think a lot of people are there right now seeking the truth, seeking to find um, answers. Anyway, what's most interesting to me now is how I got off the Orthodox trail in the first place. Oddly enough, I was steered away from faith at a Catholic university. I went to Viterbo University for my first year of college. Um, it's almost like I paid for it to happen now. Um, interestingly, in my falling away from Catholicism, Protestantism didn't attract me, not at all, really never, um, as the faith alone felt too easy, and scripture alone, or also known as sola scriptura, was too corruptible, so that I knew immediately that I could make Jesus whoever I wanted him to be. After all, I was the authority. That's kind of the message that I got out of it, because there was They did not like authority. That's kind of one of the key things. John Calvin ran into that problem almost instantly and sort of made himself a new pope. Um, There's a a great incident of him with a doctor arguing where he begins uh, treating himself as like a kind of pope, which I think is funny because they were trying to get away from that. So you can even see how uh, Luther's denominations that have spun off um, have splintered in so many ways, because if you don't like the current interpretation, you can just easily make up a new one just like Luther and Calvin and Zwingli did. And here I should refer readers and listeners to my series called About Uranus, immaturely titled, which covers how gods and religions came to be and why Abraham is so important. That talks about like the succession myth of declaring the most high God dead and how Zeus came to be. And there are all these stories about how God is dead. Well, that's kind of what we're doing in a lot of this modern stuff too. And God is not dead. So so seeing other worldviews as unsatisfactory, I went straight for the answer of mighty, mighty science, just like many young people are doing today. Technology, science, it's so cool. It's so, wow, it's amazing. Unfortunately, in in my spiritual death, I didn't even get a funeral, although I did pass out quite a few times from late nights, and I may have missed it, but those blackouts always concerned me for what I might have missed or lost, um, only to learn much later that I had lost something, or at least temporarily, and it was my soul. But turning back to God made me realize that the devil must give it back to you when you want to stop sinning. He has to give you your coat, your coat back. He's the coat check devil. Um, he, he's kind of like the coat check service and a bartender who holds on to your soul and pours drinks until you are ready to leave the party of sin. But he can't lock you in forever he must let you leave, even though you have to fight him to get out the door. So Hotel California, that's only a song. It's not a real place. Uh, But the devil would very much like you to believe that you can never leave him. And that is, once again, the sin of despair. The spiritual combat is called combat for a reason. You have to fight it. You have to go after it. Um, So now, Back, I'm not going to talk about science as much. I'm going to talk go back to Luther because this episode is supposed to be about that. And you know how I can digress into about a million things. So um, I've not come to bash Martin Luther because he was right about some things like the corruption in the church and wrong about other things like faith alone and scripture alone. I do think those two ideas are, are not good or awful. Uh, and I have much to say about it. But his initial motives were right. He despised the corruption in the church. Um, but there's always been that corruption. The Reformation was not about corruption. That's a myth. I have a link there if you click on this. Uh, Corruption was a part of it, but it's always been a part of the church as it has in any human organization or family. That's because we sin. We have this thing called concupiscence. So even if we are baptized, we still sin. Uh, But in starting the Reformation, he released far more corruption of doctrine. Luther, Luther was a very smart man. But you can see how it all unraveled and grew beyond its original scope, especially since he was a tr- he was a true defender of the Eucharist. Um, now John Calvin was brilliant as well. However, there are many smart people in every age, but that doesn't make them correct on everything. St Augustine was wider wiser than Luther or Calvin, and he stuck to the apostolic teachings. He recognized the need for the authority of interpretation, because obviously, if we all become our own Pope, then Jesus just becomes a sidekick rather than our master. Because of Luther's great step into the world of sola fide, or faith alone, and even more so from John Calvin, today in America, the word Christianity means whatever you want it to mean. It means whatever you want. If you want to handle snakes and have orgies and call it Christian, who is anyone to judge you? You can just fall back on Sola Scriptura. You got your book, you got your interpretation. Snake handling and orgies, that's your interpretation. The arguments of slavery came from the anti-Catholic, heavily Protestant world of early America. And how could that have happened? Because you can read the Bible however you like with Sola Scriptura. Uh, Plus, you're you're saved no matter what. Today we have the sexual unraveling which is throwing chastity out you know to the wolves, which will be seen in the same way that we view nineteenth century horrors today. Mark my words: this explosion of resurrected heresies has happened because of the Reformation. Um, a thousand denominations has helped spread the Word of God, and that's great, but it has also flattened flattened the message of Jesus because it can mean whatever you want. It provides for many, many bad examples of Christianity. The Reformation spread the word of God not like light, but more like butter. We are all our own authority now. Unbelievers, with their doctrine of what I would call reason alone, could not have pulled this off. Now, the doctrines of the apostles get gets conflated and mashed up with every fundamentalist and Jehovah's Witness and Prosperity Gospel Church's interpretation of the Bible. Copeland and Austin... Um, they are bad examples of the faith that drive people away from the faith. That's called scandal, the sin of scandal. I try to make sure to use the word Catholics so that people know what I mean, since the word Christianity has been smashed into like the atomic level, such that every Christian is his own authority now. What's strange about this is that the 2,000 years of trying to understand the life of Christ is cast out for our own interpretation. As I've said, every age has had brilliant people, but brilliance alone is not a reason to follow someone to false teaching. Using the word Catholic ensures that most people I meet probably recoil with horror immediately. Um, That's not really true, but there are some. Um, It's like a modern leprosy to those who bask in the light of modern media. But given that Jesus assured us that his followers would be hated, it pretty much confirms that I'm on the right track. That's actually a good sign there's a funny thing about this too though people don't really hate the church they think they do but they hate a cartoon version of the church that they have in their mind which looks like a construction paper glue and cray- crayon creation from kindergarten class and i'll talk about that in the next episode thanks for listening again thanks for listening to the lowest budget podcast on the internet um I'm, i'll be back with about uh, six more parts of this why am i catholic series Hope you listen to them and enjoy them. Thanks.